And welcome back to Afterburn After Hours. So as we sit here today, we have uh, a new guest on, which we're going to bring on in a second. It is, we are closing out the year 2023. And as we do, uh, we always want to make sure that we're preparing people for the new year. And as we get ready for the new year, there's some topics that are going to be up in upcoming episodes to help people get ready for our transformation challenge and really set you up for success. And what can you actually expect to happen in eight weeks? And so be, be on the lookout for those episodes. This episode specifically is going to be more more geared towards how do as an orange theory member how do we become successful in class compared to uh maybe other types of modalities that are that that exist out there and so um to help us kind of unpack that our guest is coach becca uh she is at our hodges location and uh so welcome to the show thank you i'm excited to be here now uh let's talk real quick some of your background, because you got an extensive background in, in just coaching in general. Mm -hmm. So uh, take us through a quick summary, because I know it could be a lot. That could be an episode in itself. Yeah. Uh, but just take us through a quick summary of uh, your last couple, 20 years. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'll start. Um, <laughs> where to start? When I was born. No, just kidding. Um, but I will start with my family, because I think the origin of my uh, passion around what it means to like be healthy and have fitness part of your life and things like that really stems from there. I'm the youngest of five kids and, um, my older brothers and sisters were just like my idols uh -huh. growing up. And so, um, I watched them play sports. I watched them train, lift weights, run. Um, you know, most of, a lot of times my mom was trying to get me out of the house. So she, like they would take me with them to their weights <laughs> and conditioning and stuff like that. Um, so I've been uh, like health, fitness and exercise has been a part of my life for a really long time. Um, so when I went into college, I went to University of Wisconsin, Oshkosh, Hail Titans. Um <laughs> I already knew I wanted to coach. Like I knew there in some way, shape or form, I wanted to, I wanted to coach. I went into kinesiology because I wasn't really, I didn't really think I wanted to be a sport coach, mm -hmm. um, but I didn't really know what options were out there. So started in there and found out, I tried out for the basketball team and made it. it was oh, very yeah? exciting, yes. Okay. Um, and found out that we had a strength conditioning coach. I'm like, what is this? And uh, <laughs> from there on off, when I found out that we, that it was a job to work at a college and work with the teams and the athletes in the weight room, I was like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I knew it right away. Um, and so that's where my trajectory started. And um, through a lot of blessings, I was able to get a lot of experience um, in a wide variety of areas. So between internships at uh, Marquette University in Milwaukee, um, I went to, uh, for my graduate assistantship, I went to the Citadel, which is oh, the, nice. the military yeah. college in Charleston. Yeah. Um, and had a phenomenal mentor there who advised me to take a leadership degree as my master's degree, as opposed to another, um, physiotherapy exercise, exercise yeah. phys or something like that. Um, and that really kickstarted my career as far as becoming a, a coach and not just somebody who's knowledgeable about the body, yeah. body and exercise. Um, and he helped me kind of get my first job and, and it was funny, uh, where he advised me to take my first job, I had two two offers, a power five offer and a mid mid major college. Okay, um, and he advised me to take the mid major because of the mentor that I would have, and I thank God every day that yeah. he did that because, you know, it, I was listening to a, a couple previous episodes. You were talking about like people who put their carts away. Uh -huh. um, this mentor we would have organized with the athletes, organized outings where we would go to the grocery stores and stores and put the carts away in the parking lot. That's awesome. Like we would just go park the car, <laughs> scatter, go get all the carts, put them away in the little things. Yeah. And, and then we would leave and we'd go to the next place. I love that. And right. And that's the type of mentorship I really had in my, my, my first full-time job early career. Um, that was at the at Arkansas state university. Okay. So what, teams were you training in Arkansas? Um, so my highest, my main team, highest priority was women's basketball. Okay. Um, I traveled with them. I was there like with them a hundred percent of the time. I also worked directly with women's volleyball and then, um, 
women's golf. Okay. My three primary sports that I went, that I programmed for did everything. Right. And then I assisted with football on the, on the backside of things there. Cool. Um, and then of, of course, any of the other sports, you know, throughout the time I was there that times they needed, whether it was a coach transition or whatnot. So those were kind of my main sports at Arkansas state. Um, from there, I took a job with um, UW-Milwaukee and I worked with baseball and swim and dive and men's soccer uh, <laughs> were my main priorities there. Um, from there, I went to Southern Methodist University in Dallas. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Where I worked with uh, women's volleyball crew, uh, equestrian, Not, football. Okay. Um, those, those were my main priorities there. And then my last collegiate stop was the University of North Texas, um, where I was primary with women's soccer and softball and okay. then assisted with other sports as needed. So University of North Texas is pretty decent sized school, right? Yeah. Growing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the whole uh, Dallas Fort Worth area is very rich with college athletics yeah. between TCU, SMU um, and North Texas right there. And you've got like Baylor just down the road. Um, well, Texas football is huge. Like yes. high school football is massive. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, I think we all see Friday night lights. And, yes. yeah. and it's, it's not, that's not an exaggeration at all. Like no, you drive through those high schools have nicer stadiums than the majority of mid major colleges. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. Um, so how was it as a female in that, mm. in that world? Cause, cause traditionally that's a male dominated world Correct. is yep. strength and conditioning, especially at the collegiate level, the professional level. So when you, when you were breaking into that, was that really the time where women were being accepted into that world or was it, was that, were you kind of post that era? Right. Um, I think I was right on the cusp yeah. to be honest with you, because when I graduated with my undergrad, I was bound and determined to be the first <laughs> NFL like female strength coach. Yeah, yeah. That was my, like, I'm going to do this. Um, and so when I was applying for graduate assistantships and like entry level positions right out of college, um, I was only applying to football positions. <laughs> I said, this is what I'm going to do. We're doing it. Yeah. And it was like, I applied like a dozen different places and got all no's. Okay. Uh, I got turned down, got turned down. Like, I think I only even had one interview out of the 12 applications, which could be a little disheartening. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, whether that was because they saw a female or yep. not, I don't know. Right? right. We can speculate. But um, all I know is that I got a lot of no's um, and then ended up uh, getting experience at a school that didn't Marquette, that yep. didn't, didn't even have a football team. Um, and they were able to set me up. Uh, at the Citadel. And I was actually just talking to somebody about this the other day that um, the head football coach that was there, because, <clears throat> uh, you know, the Citadel had a small strength staff. Everybody works with everybody. Sure, like, right. When you've got a team of 100 guys that you're training, like everybody's on board. <laughs> it's all <laughs> right. hands on deck in yeah. those situations. Um, and the head football coach came in and was extremely supportive of the fact that I was a female That's working awesome. with his quarterbacks and kickers. Like that was my, that was my group. I programmed for them. I coached them. Um, they were, they were my responsibility uh, as a graduate, as a female graduate assistant. And I will never forget how um, empowering it was yeah. to have the head football coach, not just the strength coach, right. but the head football coach of the team to have your back and uh, set the example for his athletes. Like, Hey, like we're respecting her. And it really, I think that really set the tone for how much success I was able to have in that situation. Um, but what it also did was give me the confidence. Yeah. I think that I needed, like, like I, I can do this. Yeah, and, yeah. and then as I started going places, um, I was no longer, I never really, it didn't, it didn't phase me. Yeah. Like I know I'm the only girl on staff. I don't care. Yeah. Like I'm like, I'm going to go get this. And I was, like I said, really blessed with the staffs that I worked. I never felt like, I never felt like I was being undermined or that I needed somebody to step in for me. Um, which is a testament, I think to, the leaders, the people I worked with, um, and the example that they set for like, you know, your young male college student who comes in and thinks they're all high and mighty, right? <laughs> right. Which is not a bad thing. That's just sure. who they are, right? Yep. They don't know. Um, but it really, uh, because of the example, I think that 
the other coaches set, the athletes really followed in. And, uh, and then I was able to provide a lot of value that I don't know if I would have been able to do without that around there. So did that answer your question? Yeah. Now, have you seen a shift in that world? Oh yeah. Okay. A hundred percent. And it, uh, that's what uh, me and a, a member were talking about just the other day. It's like, now you see it like female refs are in the yeah, NFL yeah. are a regular thing. Yep. Um, and, and the way that they celebrate when, you know, uh, the females who get hired into those, um, whether it's a part-time or full-time position with those NFL teams, um, you really see the, it's on blast right now. I think it started, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of it started with like the ATs. So like more females were eight, the ATs, yeah. less actual strength coaches, but then ATs and, and that kind of opened the door for female strength coaches and so on. Cause there, I, I think there was more teams hiring female athletic trainers yep. and not necessarily strength coaches, Yeah, but then it kind of started now it's just a blended every position. Right. Yep. So um, it's kind of cool that over the last probably what, 10 to 15 years, there's been a lot more. Oh yeah. Uh, Evolution of that. I was going to say, if we were to whittle it down and do a research study, there'd be a huge spike in the last 10 years of that female presence. And just like the effort to have females more integrated into those systems. Um, Cause it wasn't just athletic training. You see a lot of females in like the player development space now and um, the nutrition space is honestly mostly female. Um, And so you see them, you see females being uh, hired in those capacities. Um, It's always like the strength was like, that's the guy thing. Like, yeah. And, and, and I'll ask you this because I started out in uh, athletes. So that's, yeah. I was like, I want to just train athletes forever. And then you realize that most of them don't have money and you can't make, <laughs> you can't make a living doing that. Uh, but like as a female strength coach, and I always found it easy to relate to my, my athletes because I could always either outdo them or be right there with them. Yeah. So as a female coach, how is it, how, is it harder to relate or get those guys to relate to you because there's a, res- there's a, there's a respect level, yeah. especially with an athlete. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, if they want me to do this. They better be able to do it. You know, there's, this always this kind of like ego masculine, you know, right. battle, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's a, a very, like a valid question, a hundred percent, but the expectation is a lot different for a female. So they're like, oh, I have a female coach. Um, they expect to be better than me in a lot of areas. And then I come in and I'm like, I have better technique than you. (laughs) I have better, like, like, like weight to ratio mass. Like even when it comes down to body comp and like little, little things, um, that might be shallow in nature. Um, kind of open that door. Cause but you, you get, have to, but there's cred, you get cred though. Oh yeah. There's a lot of street cred that comes from like looking the part, right. doing the part. Yeah. Cause you, it's, if you think about the brain and like, you know, you've got your shallow level and then there's the deeper brain and like that shallow level is it's vain. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the word shallow is that way. It <laughs> means that for a reason. And you can't, you can't, um, you can't really access a person until you've cracked through that, that shallow part, that, sure. the vein. And, and I don't mean vein necessarily as negative either. It's, yeah. it's our emotions. It's like what we first see it's first impressions. Yep. Um, all of that stuff, you know, you, you like kind of whittle it around and, and have to break through that before you can really like deeply impact a person. Um, and so when it comes like, was it harder to relate to them? Um, no, I don't think it was. I I just did it differently. It was just a different strategy to go about it. Um, I asked a lot of questions, (laughs) ask a lot of questions and, um, learning about what they valued. Um, what, like, were they, a you know, what drives them? Like, are they a, a, an adversity drive? Like, you know, by asking them questions, what they liked or didn't like, I could find out, like, do they just want to be challenged? Yeah. So then I would like, I would challenge, I would find little ways to challenge them in every single workout. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh, like, like she, kn- she knows, she knows what she's, <laughs> right. she knows what yeah. she's doing. Yeah. Um, and so, but they test you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so being like, having the courage not to back down and like be intimidated. Um, and honestly, like, like this is always a battle, but like not getting your feelings hurt when they don't trust you right off the bat or they don't want to listen to you right off the bat. Um, you have, that's something you got to earn. And that's something you and I have talked about. Like, like 
you can't expect to just walk into a relationship yeah. and for that person to trust you right away. It doesn't work like that. Um, and so taking the time, asking the questions, being with like being very <laughs> um, persistent with building that relationship um, allows you to kind of unlock those doors and and get into um, how, like what pushes them and how can I really add value to them? And so. I don't think a lot of people maybe listening understand like how often they see you like your athletes, like when you're talking about building relationships, yeah. like they see you more than they see almost anybody else. Mm -hmm. So on a relationship level, it's that's like priority one yeah. is to build that relationship because you are their you're their mentor, right? You're their coach. Yep. You know, they're, they're not seeing their head coach as much as they're seeing you. They can't. Right. <laughs> the NCAA says no. <laughs> yeah. So what like off season, in season, like you're the, yep. you're their guy yep. or girl. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> when you're like, as you're talking about building relationships, like that's critical mm -hmm. because they have to trust you. Cause you can't, especially I think in both populations, whether it's athletes or, you know, general population at orange theory, like you as a coach, it's your job to help them find their limits. It's your job to push them mm -hmm. um, so that they can adapt and improve. And these like they, you know, if they could do it themselves, they probably would. <laughs> right. Right. And that's our job as a coach is to find the right way to go about doing that for each individual. Yep. Um, and in the collegiate realm specifically, they don't, most athletes do not like lifting weights. Most athletes do not like training. Yep. They are there to play the game. Right. Under the they lights. They love the game. And that's all. Yep. They don't even like practicing most of the time. Yep. It is, they are there to play the game. And, um, <laughs> and so if you, if, if you don't know them, if you don't build that relationship and establish some trust, you will not be able to, <laughs> push them in the, uh, in a manner that is going to help them make those gains in the manner that is going to help them actually improve their performance and in a manner that's actually going to impact them because they won't do it. You have to have effort like lifting weights takes intentional right. effort. You cannot make gains without that. And so trying to get an athlete who doesn't like the weight room to do that requires some level of trust yep. um, <laughs> to get through that I don't like. Do you remember a couple, this is a long time ago, probably 15, at least 15 years, Nike had a slogan. It was like lazy, but talented. Do you remember? Like there was a shirt, there was a shirt. It said lazy, but talented. <laughs> that does not surprise And me. one of my athletes wore it in. And because when I had first started my first gym, it was, it was just, I would just was training athletes. And I saw that shirt and I made him turn it inside out. Cause so he was getting ready, uh, was recruited for UVA. Mm -hmm. So he's getting ready to go play um, at University of Virginia. Was a, a man among children in high school. Like just one of those just freak athletes. Everything was effortless. And I was, I told him, I said, look, next year, everyone's on, everyone's you. And if you're going to take that lazy but talented approach, you're going to sit the bench. And it was like, but, but again, they don't actually like doing a uh, buddy of mine was the strength coach for the Dodgers. One of the strength coach. And um, he was in the summer league and mm -hmm. he's like, dude, I'm getting guys fresh off the boat don't speak English, never lifted a weight in their life. And he's like, they don't want to do it. And he's like, I'm, I'm finding people more than I'm training people. He's like, and it's, it's just frustrating. And I, and I think the misconception is everyone who goes into exercise science <laughs> wants to be a strength coach. <laughs> Everybody who goes in there, cause it's, it's the sexy job, yeah. you know, but I, I, and I, and I think most of them, cause we enjoy exercise. That's why we got into it. Mm -hmm. They enjoy the game. They don't enjoy the exercise piece. Right small, small portion. Some do. Yeah. Right. Some do, <laughs> but the majority of them just want to go play ball. Mm -hmm. But it's like, now it's your job to also have to convince them to come work out. Not, not, not just work, get once they get there and like train them, but actually convince them to come work out. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that get into exercise science and they, and they want to go into the program, everybody wants to be a, a college strength coach. Well, what actually does that mean? Right. You know, and what are you actually gonna be doing? Cause they think they're just going to be in there pounding weights and lifting weights and yelling and hooping. That's not, it's not, that's 10%, 15% of the job. Right. The other part of it is building the relationships and building the connections on the, on the player level to um, help them understand and appreciate 
how this helps them long term. Yeah, yeah. Respect it. Uh, you have to, they have to respect the movement. They have to respect the the process, which sounds a little foo foo and cheesy, but yeah. like you really have to have a respect for the process and invest in it. Yep. Um, so that you're not wasting your time because not and not only would you be wasting your time, but also when energy as our finite resource <laughs> is that important to your ability to perform and do your job. If, if you are not respecting the process of training on the backside, you're getting closer to hurting yourself because sure. of it. Yeah. Um, and it's funny. It's funny that you say that there's shout out to art of coaching here. Um, they, uh, brought up a study. Um, it's like maybe like 2016 that the study was done that, uh, coach development, is 96 of what's what's out there, right? 96% technical skills, uh-huh. exercise science related. And the other f- 4%, or maybe it was like 92 and then 8% was inter and intrapersonal skills. Wow. So our actual ability to coach. Yeah. And that's, and that is largely the misconception that I see. I spent a lot of time in coach development while I was in the collegiate realm. Um, and uh, for those individuals, young individuals coming out of, of their college, um, college classes and things like that, just fresh out of graduation, um, was their misconception of like what they were actually going to be able to do. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yes, we enjoy the programming aspect. Like we love yes. these pieces of it. Uh, but you can't, that is not going to work. Like your actual program won't even work if you don't have this piece on the front end. Right. Because the athletes aren't impressed by your programming because no, they don't understand they it. They don't get it. Yeah. they <laughs> Like, like if you put a, if you put 10 strength coaches in a room and they write programs, everyone will be impressed. Yeah. <laughs> if you put 10 athletes in the same room, they don't care. Yeah. Because they are like, whatever, just tell me what to do, you know? Right. And, and I think like, uh, so when you, when you look at like coaches in general, mm-hmm that we all love the sciencey part of it. Cause that's why we got into it. And mm-hmm. if you don't like it, then you're probably in the wrong thing. Right. <laughs> you probably didn't last long in school, but I think that, that, that when you, that we have, there's so many good, like great educated coaches when it comes to like the physiology and how the body moves and all those things and programming. But the piece they're missing is how to actually have conversations, build relationships, um, understand the psychology of, Right. how to push people, how to, how to motivate people, um, looking at somebody and understanding what their body language is telling you. And then be like, you know what, today might not be the day to go give them a heavier weight or challenge them. Today might be the day I need to go give a little hug, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think the, we have, a, we have these two different groups of coaches that have the great skill set and great knowledge. And then you have like the people who understand people. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you're looking at like people you've worked with in the past, who do you feel like the most successful coaches have been? Um, when you look at those two, those two buckets of people, cause I don't know if you can have a, you might have a unicorn here and there that right. have like the blend of both. Right. But the majority, I probably fit into two camps. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think, I think you could, I think you could say that. Um, cause the truth is about, the technical side of things, you're never going to know it all. Right. So in your approach to coaching, like that should be something you're always learning. You're yeah. always finding the new research because it cha- it's changing yep. all the time. So you can never know it all. So that part of it continues to morph and change. And like, if you're running the same program that you were 10 years ago with your college BFS. soccer player, right. Yeah. Whatever, <laughs> like, it's probably not the best thing for them anymore. And you probably need to update that Um, (laughs) from a technical side of things. But on the other, in the other camp, um, understanding human behavior and taking the time to taking the time to understand uh, like, you know, again, like what people care about, what drives them, how are they motivated? um, How can you best, press their button, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In order to, to influence change, mm-hmm. right? That's what you're trying to do is influence behavior change for the person that you're coaching. Um, the best coaches that I've ever worked with or that I've ever known do that piece really well. Yep. And they continue to like progress on the technical side of things or 
they hire somebody to do the programming <laughs> exactly. for them. Exactly. Yes. And so, but they like, they run the show. Yep. The people person runs the show and the technical, if you almost think about it, like the, um, the specialist, like mm-hmm. the specialist is like that, that person that they would hire. Who's, who's just all into the science and into the technical side of things. Um, but they have taken the plate, like the, the role of the face yep. of the, of the department or whatever it is. Right. Sure. Um, so the best, the best coaches that I know are, have both. They, yeah. <laughs> and they are the most successful. They are, their teams win the most. Mm-hmm. Um, you, they probably make the most money. Like, yep. However you like in the different ways you want to define success. Um, they are the ones that I know who's, uh, previous clients, athletes or non-athletes reach out to them the most and they have mm-hmm. the most long lasting relationships with them. Um, and so they've prioritized the human side of things uh, over the technical side of things. One of my good, good friends, I, I would even say mentor, one of my, probably one of my best friends, he up in Jersey was training with tons of uh, baseball players. Mm-hmm. And he'll tell you himself, he's not the greatest. He's like, dude, the exercise we were doing, I, he's like, I don't know. <laughs> but his athletes loved him. And they were consistent. They showed up. They worked hard. They did what they asked to do because he built the relationships. Mm-hmm. Now, over time, like you said, he got better at programming, but that was never his specialty, especially his people. Yeah. And he loves coaching people. And so uh, before we got on the before we got on the actual show, you had gave a definition of what what it means to be a coach. So share that because I, I love that. Yeah. And this is this is also shout out to Art of Coaching. Um the origin of the word coach is a stagecoach. It gets uh, people from point A to point B. And so we all, we often coin the term coach to sports, right? Uh, but it's not, <laughs> you could coach anything. If you were, were to Google coach, you'd find life coaches and all you'd find all sorts of sure. different coaches. Right. Yeah. But essentially coaching is not about what you're coaching. It's about getting another person from point A to point B. And however you need to do that, whatever, you, A, you need to define what point A and point B are. Sure, yep. Um, but other than that, that process is all about the human. And we get so caught up in the things that have to happen that we forget that like, oh, they're not doing this. Why are they not doing it? Oh, I'm just going to keep telling them, you know, that it's good for them. Yeah. That'll work. Yeah, yeah. That never works. Okay. Yeah. Like we know that if we were to, never drink alcohol. It would probably be the best thing for us, but we still do it. We still speed. We, even though we could get a ticket, right? like like logic does not always work. (laughs) So I think when you think of like a stagecoach in my brain, I go back to like, you know, some of them weren't fancy, right? They got you to point A to point B though. So I think about that and some were super fancy, you know, the (laughs) Queens and whatever. So you have like this super fancy coach, that, you know, could be the one who understands programming and all the things still getting people from point A to point B. But then you also have the coach who still gets people from point A to point B just has four wheels on it. And it's basic and it's basic, yeah. but it still gets you from point A to point B. So mm-hmm. you have all these different types of coaches that have different, you know, yeah. skill levels, experience, all these things. But at the end of the day, bare bones, base level, a coach is somebody that gets you from point A to point B. And it's even further than that. Your best coaches are going to know, do you need the fancy like, <laughs> yeah. Do you need the fancy one? Is this Cinderella? And she needs to show up in a certain way, right? Yep. She's trying to show up her stepsisters. Sorry, <laughs> that was a little deep. That's um, all right. Yeah, I like it. Um, or do is does this person just need the basic? Yeah. Because sometimes the fancy's overwhelming. Yeah. Sometimes the fancy is not the best way for that individual. So the best coaches are those who uh, like from a multi-tool standpoint can decide, okay, which, which is the best one for this individual. And at this, at this stage, because yes. so, sometimes that Correct. the athlete, I'm there's sure, a lot of factors that go yeah, into absolutely. making that decision. <laughs> yes. You know, athlete comes in, they're a freshman. Let's be honest, typically coming out of high school, they're not going to have the best technique and right. form and stuff like that. Yep. Cause that, at that high school level, most, most high schools don't have a professional in there helping them. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Orange Theory member. They're coming in for the very first time. This is their first exercise workout program they've ever done. So you have these two people. Well, guess what? At this stage, they just need you to get point A to point B. We just need four wheels. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yep. Now, as we progress and 
you start to understand your form, your function, and start to understand how things operate, then we can start adding all the fancy tools. I think too many times coaches like to throw all the fancy stuff out right away because like, look how much I know. Right. Nobody cares how much you know, you know? And it's, you know, it's not even always that. I think a lot of times, especially with coaches, like, because we enjoy it, we get excited we about do. all the things that we know. Correct. And we're like, look, like I could do, you, you could do this, you could <laughs> do that. And you could do this. And people are like, oh, I, I, I don't know what you just Is said. Like, and you're like, can I just right, walk for 27 minutes? Step right foot in front of left. <laughs> yes. All right. We won for today. Great job. Lesson two comes next week. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, I, you know, the, the <laughs> it's the self-awareness of the coach there. Yes. Um, that really, <laughs> that really is important. Well, I would say most coaches are galvanizers and they want they're they're the let's put blue face paint on and let's just get everybody <laughs> running into battle you know but again that's not every person not every athlete wants that mm-hmm. and and again i think as coaches like you said we're just very passionate about what we do yeah and we want everybody to we want everyone to have the same level of passion well guess what tammy just wants to come in and work out yeah <laughs> and, and she doesn't really care about what you know yep. she just wants to have a good time and smile and, and burn some calories sweat a little bit and and not get injured. Yep. And and I, one thing I've, yep. I've found just, this is kind of my, my three pillars. And this is just something I've come up with over the last 20 years, but people want to have fun. They want to be safe and they want to see results. I think those three things have to work in tandem. And the minute you stop having fun, then you need to find something different. The minute you're injured, obviously find something different. If you stop seeing results, find something different. I just want people to move. I don't care what, I don't care how you move. It could be CrossFit, it could be Orange Theory, it could be this, it could be that. Just move and, and have fun with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Exercise shouldn't be the thing you dread doing. Right. You know, and the question that I have is if it is that thing that you dread doing, is it your coach? Yeah. Is it the, the modality? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, you could be going to this, this class just because your friend told you to go to it and you don't know anything else because this is your first thing. Right. And it's like, well, this is just what exercise is. No, right. There's a lot of different, <laughs> there's exercise. a lot of different ways. Yeah. And so I just encourage people to explore and yeah. find the thing, have fun, be safe, see results. I think those three things have to work in tandem for, for the general population person. Cause again, the athlete, they have, they have to be there. Yeah. Like, especially in college, like you, you gotta go. Yep. But the regular, the regular general population person that they have an option, right. they can't. Or it's they, amazing to me. It, like that's, that's a huge switch from college to, to orange theory. What like I'm they, doing Like right they're now. choosing to come. They're choosing to be there. <laughs> yeah. And like, it is, it's, su- it's super cool. And I tell them, I tell this to my classes all the time. Like, thank you for coming in and working hard without me having to breathe down your neck while working hard. <laughs> yeah. It's a Send whole you a pink new, slip. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not having to like take it attendance and, <laughs> and tell your coat, like run you. If you don't show up, like I'm not having to do that right now, which is really cool. Maybe what we should do is the people that don't come, we should send them like a little letter in the mail and be like, Hey, uh, so you owe us demerit. 15 burpees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To merit. Yeah. <laughs> we'll create that. Uh, but yeah, so again, they're choosing to come and they chose us. Yeah. And so as a coach, again, that's that, I always took that as it's my obligation then to yeah. deliver. You have a because, responsibility to Yeah. Them. They chose me. They could have come to another coach. They mm-hmm. could have come to a different time slot. They could have went to a different studio, yep. but they chose to come to my class. So I have an obligation now to deliver. Yes. And, and again, knowing how to deliver to each individual person. So I, I feel like a lot of times people think like group fitness. I don't think it's group fitness. I think it's coaching individuals in a group. Yes. This is not group fitness. Right. Group fitness is I'm on a stage. There's a hundred people out there. I'm doing the exercise with you in some kind of weird choreographed move. Yep. And I can't leave the stage. It's, it's, you know, for lack of a better word, Peloton. I was going to say you're, um, something that I've, I've just kind of started thinking about, like, how, how do I choose what I'm saying over the mic? Yeah. Like my, you know, what am I choosing to say to them? I'll put it in those in three categories, inform, instruct, or inspire. And it's like, yes. at, if you're just up on a stage, you can, you can inspire, you can, um, instruct and, and tell them what to do. And, and you can kind of educate, right. You're, you're saying all these things, yeah. but you don't know if anybody's listening. Correct. You're just, you're just saying it. Or the person there. that's 15 can rows back. Can they even back. hear you? Like, or can you see them? Right. Yeah. And, and also when you're in that 
that context, what is your, what is your main goal? Like, is it really to, you know, outside of showing them, okay, do this exercise. <laughs> right. is that, like that's probably the max amount of instruction that you're giving. Yeah. Maybe it's how many reps, but like when you have the opportunity in our classes to individually coach right yeah. now, I'm saying, okay, we're not just doing this like RDL, right? We're yeah. actually, I need you to reach your hips right now. You're just bending at the spine. Yeah. Right? I need to stand up, squeeze your shoulder blades together and push your hips back. Nope. You're still not doing it. Okay. Let's try another approach. Yeah. That doesn't happen in that setting. No, not at all. It, it, because in that setting, you, there's not time. Right. Or in a Peloton setting, they're not even there. Yeah, they're right. on a screen. Right. They can't see you, you know, exactly. so they can just inspire you. Right. Um, and, and maybe because right. they don't know what inspires you. They're just like, what, you what, you, what they think, yes. right. They're like, you could do it. And this yeah. person's like, I don't need somebody to encourage me. I don't right need now. I need somebody to scream at me. <laughs> right. there's, like, there's a lot of people like, yeah. That. Yeah. So, I, and I love what you said about the three things, kind of like how you think about what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. And this, this might, I might go into a soapbox here with cool. Orange Theory coaches, but I don't need you to talk for 60 minutes. <laughs> I don't. I don't need you to talk for two minutes through a two minute push. Mm-hmm. Here's what I need. I need you to tell me what I'm going to do. Inform me. Mm-hmm. How do I get there? What What's the goal at the end of this two minute push? What's happening next and where should I be? Mm-hmm. Then let me figure it out. But I don't need you to talk to me for two minutes and just inspire me and, 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 and cheer me on. I don't need that. Right. Now, if you know that one person that does need that, turn off mic, go behind them, give them the raw raw. Right. But other than that, everybody else just wants to tune out. Mm-hmm. Dude, 12 minute run for distance. Do not talk to me for 12 minutes. Let me get in my, <laughs> let me go into the cave. You know, <laughs> I don't need to be encouraged and motivated and cheered on. Some people do. So again, as a coach, Getting to know we them. need to know, yeah, Heath doesn't need that. If you do that, I hate it. Really? Yeah. So, but, but again, choosing what you're going to say, I, I love the three things that you identified because again, as a coach, those are, those are the, those are the three things that you're there for. Right. And there should be a specific, um, purpose why you're doing like a, like what's the opportunity here? Is it appropriate? Like what is going to be most appropriate? Yeah. You know, is it appropriate to inspire right now? Right. Um, you know, if they're doing like their, the crew row yesterday, yeah, that's not an inspiring moment. No, <laughs> you're like, you're like stick together. <laughs> yes. Because if you start to inspire and encourage people start to get out of order because right. they're going to get, cause you need them to focus. You don't need them to make an emotional, right. like, like inspiration is targeted at a person's emotions. But if you need them, to be, um, dialed in, right. And, and focused on something. You're not trying to rile them up from their emotions. That would be counterproductive. Correct. And so, and so being more intentional about like, okay, just what am I saying and why? Because we're not, a a coach is not a robot. Like a coach (laughs) has intentionality. Like I know that my audience needs this right now because of X, Y, and Z, which is why I'm going to say it. And if I don't have a specific purpose to saying it, like then I shouldn't be saying it. I, when I used to coach coaches, one thing I would tell them is if you don't have something to say, don't say it because if you do, it's going to sound dumb. Yep. Because you're just, you're just reaching. Word turtle. Yeah, it is. It is. Because in that moment, if you have nothing to say, then don't say anything Mm -hmm. because then it's not relevant. And the problem though, I think a lot of coaches is we, you hear dead silence. You get nervous. Yeah. Because you're not working out. Yeah. So in a two minute push, if you have a one-sided class for you, the coach, yeah, it is a little bit quiet, but guess Mm -hmm. what? For two minutes, they're they're zoned into what's happening. How am I feeling? My heart rate's going up. Right. They're thinking about things. You're just standing there. Yeah. For the most part, good coaches are not, but you know. So so for you, it feels awkward because right. you're like, maybe I should say something. It's kind of quiet in here. No, turn the music up a little bit and let them ride. Right. <laughs> you know. And that's that's something that I being a, a young orange theory coach, something that I've definitely had to work through is like being comfortable in silence. Yeah. That's okay. Sometimes again, being purposeful, when yep. am I not going to see anything? But I also started just like on my template when I'm preparing for to coach, I'm like, all right, there's a three minute push here. What am I going to do during this three minutes 
to like, if they don't need me to say anything, how am I going to keep my squirrel brain from, <laughs> from going all sorts of directions and just doing something crazy on a whim yep. that might not necessarily be appropriate? You know, so then I set myself a little mini goal, like, okay, here, I'm going to try to remember what pace, what speed they're actually running at. Like yeah. that's a challenge for me. If I've yep. got 14 treads going, I have a hard time remembering where everybody is. Yep. So I'm like, okay, how can I do this? So the other day I was like, well, let's try this strategy. And I write it on the sheet as I went, you know, and that was helpful. And it kept me from getting super uncomfortable in that silence. <laughs> right. Um, and it allowed exactly what you're saying. Like it allowed them to to go a little bit. I didn't have any intros, so I felt it was appropriate to let my regular members who've come often yep. do their thing yep. and let, let, and let them go. And you know, the, the, the heart, the other thing about coaches that talk too much is you do, they do have valuable information, but it gets lost Yeah, because at some point the member tunes you out. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that that nugget you do have, gets they didn't lo- get it. Right. Because they're, they're like, dude, I, I can't, I can't listen anymore. Yep. Um, so again, I love that because when you, when you start, when I, when I think about coaches that I've taken class and I've, you know, I've been around, they, they like to give all these things out and it's like, but it's too much sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think, um, something that I've that I've really noticed in, because it's like you said, we're coaching individuals in a group setting. And when we're talking over the mic, especially with things like the, it, like the warm up and the, the overview route, like the beginning of class specifically, right. It's routine for us. It might be the third time we're doing that yeah. in three and a half hours. Like, right. And it sounds a lot of times routine at this point, at that point, it's not even like it, you, it literally just sounds like you're just speaking to nothing because, because it's, it just sounds routine. Um, it is coaching cues, but you're not coaching somebody. Right. And so like I, how I even started to think about it even more is like having a conversation with someone. So how would I say this if it was me and you mm-hmm. and you had never been on the rower before, or if you needed slight changes, I'm going to look you in the eye, right? When I'm, when I'm warming up people, I'm either looking people in the eye through the mirrors on the yep. treads or I'm on the rower. I'm catching their eyes and I'm adjusting my shoulders. Yep. Cause a lot of times it's not the words you say. It's like what you do and yep. they respond to yeah, that. Those non, those non-verbals are huge, but I'm literally, looking for individuals to coach during that warm up so that I don't start to sound monotonous and whatever because it's their first time hearing it that day. Right. Yeah. And and if they aren't uh if if you're just rattling it off, they'll they'll just tune you out. It's yeah. just uh it's just part of the routine. We don't want it to be that, right? We want it to be helpful. And I think I think it's also where you position yourself. Like when I was coaching rower specifically, I would always get down on one knee. So now I'm yeah. eye level with you. Yeah. So now I'm not above you. Yep. I can actually make eye contact with you. I can do movements with you. And I think a lot of it is where you position yourself. Like you said, I'm looking at you in through the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Well, technically like the treadmills can't see you unless you position yourself to where they can see you in between. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, The bike. I love when I have bike and strider people because I can actually go physically touch you. Yeah. You know, and I can, space. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can walk up next to you and I'm like, so when I would coach bike and striders, I would go off mic. Hey, here's what's coming up. So I would cue them before I cue treadmills. Cause I'm not cueing you over the mic. There's one of you. I should be able to go give you one on one. Now the treadmills, there's 12 of you. That's what the mic's for, you yeah. know, but on the bike and strider, I'm like, Hey, listen, here's what's coming. Here's what I'd like you to do. And then I can go on the mic, cue the treadmills and then three, two, one, everybody goes. Mm-hmm. But that one-on-one moment with that bike just means so much more. I was, I was guest coaching at a studio when I worked for corporate and uh, this lady was on the bike and I just did my normal thing. Nothing, nothing special. After class, she's like, no one ever has come over to me and coached me on the bike. I'm like, well, that's just, that, that was just my normal thing. I told her, I said, I said, it's not that they're, they're doing it wrong. It's just, that's my style. I want to make sure that, you know, I'm here with you because you're one of one, not one of 25 or 30 or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And I think we get stuck into that, that mentality of, well, it's, it's the group, right? I have a mic. Let me talk to the group, but we forget that Tammy's there for a different reason than Susie and Susie's there for a different reason than Kelly and goes back to the relationship thing. Mm-hmm. goes back to that. And even simpler than that, it's just like the science of 
grabbing somebody's attention. Like if you just say things right without specifically grabbing someone's attention, they don't think you're talking to them. Well, it means it also <laughs> means more when I come tell you specifically, right. here's what I'd like you to do. Yes. Or one thing I always use is challenge. Hey, can I challenge you today? Yeah. Typically no one says no. Yeah. Like I was like, no, nah, I don't want to challenge today. You know, like, so. <laughs> and if they do, or if they don't want to challenge, you're like, all right, good. Like keep it up. At least I know. Right. Yeah. But most of the times I'll ask, hey, can I challenge you? And mm-hmm. then most people are like, absolutely. So then here's the challenge. Right. Versus like, I'm not the weight fairy. <laughs> I don't like just dropping off weight because one, is that the right weight? Do, do I know personally right. that you can handle that weight? So that's where I'm going to enter. That's where I'm going to ask the question first before I go grab weights off the rack and just be Amazon and drop them off at your doorstep. You know, (laughs) I'm going to ask the question Mm -hmm. and then I can then at that time as a coach intelligently go through my process of, okay, what's the right move for this person? Yeah. And, and I, I believe like you said, it always starts with the, with the questions Mm -hmm. and, and like you said, going back to the athletes, you asked a lot of questions, you know, and that's the best way to get to know somebody, especially in, And what we do, we don't always have a lot of time. Right. A 30 second all out. You don't have time during that. No, but there is some time during that workout that you can go have some of those interactions. But like you said, you look in your template being like, okay, three minute push. Well, if I got two sides, good. Now I don't have a squirrel brain and I can go talk to people (laughs) on the weight floor. Like this is like, I'll write coach. Like, because when I write the word coach, I know that means for myself, that's my own code. Go pay attention to the floor. This is your opportunity to yes. coach the floor because two blocks down the road, when you're doing 30 <laughs> on 30 off, you yeah. don't have, you won't have time. Like no. your attention needs to be more uh, on the treads, not running over their 32nd all out because they don't like you. When right. You, when you run, <laughs> I have found that out. Yep. They're not happy. When they will that call happens. you out. And I will do burpees. <laughs> I have done, I have paid them back with burpees a hundred percent. That's Um, But being like, just like you said, like being intentional about like looking at where are my opportunities to do this? Yes. Um, And if, and there's some workouts where it's like 30 seconds all the way through. And I'm like, how am I going to, how am I going to approach this? Yeah. Well, where where are my other opportunities? The warm up, the lobby intro and the lobby time right before that. On those days, I am super intentional about getting in there and not just shooting the poop with them. Like I'm in there asking, how do you feel today? I'm, I'm in there gathering information like a research study to figure out like, okay, you know, and maybe I'm dropping them tips. Like, Hey, I know like last time you told me like your knees were bothering you. Like here's, I'm just going to give you a quick modification if you need it, because I'm going to be over here and there. And if so, if you need this while you're on the floor and I can't get to you, this is what you should do. Yeah. And just like, planning ahead of time makes it so much less stressful when you're trying to pay attention to your stopwatch. And you know, there's also, I think when I think back, I would look at the actual exercises and be like, where do I, what's the exercise? Correct. Yeah. When I look at this clean the front squat, that's the one, you know? (laughs) So you're going to start to identify. And then like you said, you look at the other side and say, where do I have time? Yeah. And then maybe I don't have time. Well, maybe during the demo, I spend a little extra time on that exercise. And then I kind of know who needs attention. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows in their class, we we see you. We know what your form looks like. So when I'm going to cue three, two, one, I'm already going to be next to you. So then I have 15 seconds then to talk to you before I'm three, two, one, next thing. Right. But I, I, that at, at that point, I need to position myself as the coach. If I don't have a lot of time, I need to be where I'm going to be to have a 15 second conversation with mm-hmm. you, not walking from coach saying over there. Cause now I've wasted 15 seconds, right. you know? Yeah. And so, you know, this was not the original um, conversation, <laughs> but I love that this directed to coaches. Cause I think that as, as orange theory and, and members that are listening to this, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to understand. We've had a lot of transition in the last three years of just, I think the fitness industry in general, yeah. coaches in general. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a, we've had a new generation of coaches come in They're They, they're green. They don't have a lot of experience. Uh, a lot of coaches that had 10 year, maybe from 2015 to 2020 or so on, they've moved on to other things because typically fitness is a springboard mm-hmm. to something different. Yep. Um, so I think this is a great conversation for all coaches because it's, it's, 
you know, little tips and tricks on how to one talk appropriately to the mic, build the relationships, how to position yourself, have purpose, have intentionality when coaching. So I'm glad we went this direction with it and not the other direction we we're talking about originally, <laughs> because I think it's a super important conversation that all coaches should be, should be taking home. And as well as members, because it's like, oh, okay, this is why maybe the coach does this, right. you know, and, and you guys don't always know why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. There's, I'll tell you, there's always a method to my mayhem, right? You know, if I'm doing something, uh, there's on purpose, purpose mm-hmm. right? Um, it might not look like it. it might look like I'm a crazy person running around the room, but it's on purpose. Yeah. So can I leave two? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Please. One for the coaches is, um, this is a process. I've been coaching for a dozen years yeah. <laughs> more, honestly, yeah. because I started coaching when I was in high school, I would coach youth and, and stuff like that. So you need experience. Coaching is not easy. No. And, and so encouragement, right? Like yep. you're, if you're overwhelmed by all the things that you're hearing, it's okay. Um, it, it, t- it takes practice and that's coaching in any realm. Yes. It doesn't mean just orange theory. It doesn't mean, um, sports. If you are leading a team, if yeah. you are leading a group, leadership is exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ties me into my second tip, which is for our members, like, again, if you're in a leadership position, um, coming up with intentionality about the goal, whatever goals that you're trying to like, what's your strategy? Yeah. Or are you just kind of hoping something happens? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you're like question. You should be questioning your preparation process. You should be questioning your debriefing process after you have an experience. What did you learn and how are you going to implement it yep. the next time around? Those, those principles are through lines, no matter what you're doing here. So yes, we were speaking specifically to our context, but that doesn't mean it doesn't apply elsewhere. No, absolutely not. And so I would, I would say if you're, if you are a coach listening to this, go back, pick out one thing. Let's work on that first. Yes. And then, and then build, like you said, between the two of us, I think there's probably 50 years of coaching. Yeah. We've, we've been doing it for a long time. We've, I've made tons of mistakes. And I look back and I'm like, oh, yeah. dude, I, I feel bad for my clients when I first started coaching, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's but, embarrassing. I, I get like, I get my blush sometimes yeah. when I think about like what I, what I did with athletes or even, um, when I was, you know, coach development and as a young strength and conditioning coach being in charge of the internship program and teaching, you know, other young coaches how to do it. Like I, sometimes I'm like, I am so sorry. I, I did that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, and I'll call them up and I'll be like, Hey, I'm sorry that I did that <laughs> 10 years ago. And they're like, coach Becca is, is, is good. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> you're, yeah. Like, you're all right. Um, but yes, it is big, like, it's little things. It's okay. It's a long process, it a is. lot of failure. Yeah. Um, but if you fail on purpose <laughs> or if you fail with intention, um, you could grow from it and that's what makes you a better coach. Yeah. And so, so take some notes, pick out one thing, work on that. And, uh, and if you're a member, maybe have a little bit better, a little, little behind the scenes idea of what, uh, what yeah. goes into the coaching side Where of coach things. Coach is coming from. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So until next time, we'll talk to y'all later.